Right. But not defending myself, just like going with it, going with the extreme. What's the difference between defending yourself and going with the extreme? Someone going, you're gay. No, I'm not. No, I'm gay. No, I'm not gay. No, I'm not gay. That's defending. <laughs> that, what, was, what was that? Defending yourself? That's being defensive. Oh, defensive. <laughs> right. Okay. There you go. Well, when someone says you're gay, I'm like, doesn't fucking matter. Oh, is that, def- is that defending? You're the English major. I don't no, know. No, no. That makes sense. No. You know what I mean? No, no. Explain. Hey, hot mess heroes. I'm your host, Jeffrey, and you're listening to Gaijin. As you may have already noticed, this episode contains strong language and adult content. It's the first interview on the podcast, and I talk to my older brother, Jonathan, and confront him about being homophobic and growing up in a strict conservative household. Jonathan is 14 months older than me, and although we are very close, we are complete opposites. He's an extrovert, and I'm an introvert. He's loud, and I'm quiet. He's talkative and I'm shy. So on this episode, we talk about homophobia in our family, dealing with criticism, learning from mistakes, and earning respect from others. It's a difficult conversation, but I learn that we all grow and change and get better if we put work and effort into our relationships. So before we begin, take a second right now to subscribe to Gaijin Podcast. There are more of these interviews and difficult conversations coming up on future episodes. So press subscribe if you're listening on Apple or follow if you're listening on Spotify. Go ahead, do it now. I'll wait. All right, let's get into the interview where I call out my brother for being homophobic. It all starts now. Were you ever... Not scared, but kind of wanting to make sure that I that you that you were away from the family, so that way you didn't have to kind of relive those memories. Like me in your life, or you hanging out with family members, is that your trigger? Do you think? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I love hanging out with family now. I didn't always used to, because yeah, I'd get angry or upset or frustrated mostly because I felt misunderstood. Like no one really understood or got me. And I always felt really awkward, like getting close, like emotionally close with you and my other siblings felt really weird for me. Like give me an example. I mean, before you, was this before you came out or even yeah, during it's you way before it's before, like after I came out to everyone, like I have no issue spending time with family. I love spending time with family. I feel really comfortable. But before I used to hate it. Like would an example be me coming back to college, for example, and you're there. Were you dying just to somehow tell one of us that you were gay? Uh, yeah. Why? I mean, I wasn't like dying to tell anybody. I was more scared to tell people, but I kind of knew in my mind that I was going to have to say it at one point. I just didn't know when, Um, but yeah, I, I, I wanted to be emotionally close. I wanted to be honest. I felt like I was lying and I also felt really stressed out thinking, are they going to find out? Are they going to ask about my love life? And if they do, what's my answer? What's my response? What's my story? 
like I, I know too, sometimes when we talked and you'd ask me about like, who are you seeing? Which girl are you dating? I'd have to make something up, make up a name. And in actuality, I was really probably talking about a boy. Right. Yeah. So that just stressed me out. And then I was like, I just need to tell someone because living with the stress is too much. But where was this need to want to make sure that people kind of knew that you were gay or especially your family? Like, where does the stress come from and why did you want to finally come out when you did? I mean, the stress is about covering up and making up uh, a straight identity and then being found out in the lie. That really stressed me out. But also, I just wanted to be honest. Like, how are we going to go through the rest of our lives lying to each other? I think I had one thought in my mind one day where I was like, we're all going to be older. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to be married to a woman (laughs) and have kids and then have to deal with all of that when the stakes are so high, when I'm already like in a straight quote unquote marriage. It's too late. And then you have three kids running around and you're like, oh fuck, but I'm, this is not how I want to live my life. That's a mess. Exactly. And I was like predicting that that was coming in the future. I was like, let me just get ahead of it. Like (laughs) I'm not going to deal with that. I'd rather deal with any fallout now than have to deal with that in the future. And that's very courageous and that's very brave, right? Because you don't know how we're going to respond. You don't know if we're going to come back and say, no, this is not allowed or no, I do not love you because you are gay. So, um, that's a lot of stress. Holy shit. Well, that's why I was testing it out before I came out, like trying to get everybody's trying to get everybody's like litmus uh, test almost. Yeah. Like, Oh, what do you think about gay people? What do you think about Ellen? Uh, I don't know. What other gay things do we talk about? We don't, you did. I mean, I think my whole life, to be honest, I was testing, engaging with you. And I think you always wanted to figure out kind of maybe Jonathan does my brother, is my brother homophobic, right? And so you wanted, I guess, to test me based on like what names you called other people, uh, what your thoughts about what your questions were when it comes to gay actors and what they think and what I thought of it. I mean, what, give me an example. Of something I mean, that you remember. Literally, I asked you to drop me off at the movie theater to go watch Brokeback Mountain. Okay. Remember? Yes. I was like, oh, I really want to watch this movie. And then you dropped me off. And then I saw it. And then I was like, oh, like, he's actually pretty cool with this. But I also didn't know, like, whether or not I was gay. But I was definitely, like open to, to it, I guess, because I wanted to see this movie. I was like really curious about it. I mean, I hopefully, hopefully, I mean, I'm trying to look at my past and hopefully you, we grew, first off, we grew up in a household where our father was very, very homophobic and still is. I mean, during this goddamn motherfucking yeah. election, he sent <laughs> us a goddamn fucking long text out of nowhere. And I haven't heard this man in years suddenly say I'm voting for Trump. And the big reason why is because, uh, He's, he doesn't support gay marriage. And according to the Bible, blah, blah, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So I understand that. Even though, though our father was very homophobic, 
Mm-hmm. I'm trying to reflect on my life. And maybe there was instances that I was homophobic, but I think I'm going to give myself some credit here. I was pretty either willing to hear when I made a mistake and I said something problematic, either in a very, either when I was misogynist with my comment or chauvinistic or when I said something homophobic and you scolded me or Caitlin or Megan, even though I may have argued, I think I've done a pretty good job in correcting myself. Yeah. You've been really great. But, um, I still wish that I did a better job. I think, right. That's one regret that I have before you came out. Like after you came out, a big thing in my head was three things. It was one was I, you know, an open-minded, you know, individual for my brother to feel safe, you know, in the household that he was in. Because as the oldest, I always wanted to make sure that each of my six younger siblings were fucking good. You know, they felt safe around me. They could trust me. And so when you opened up to me in 2012 about everything that went going on in your life, that you're gay, first off, I thought you were got something pregnant, but I, you decided to. Oh, and def- I said, I have something to tell you. Yeah, I was like, holy shit, who'd you get pregnant? Yeah, everyone thought, everyone literally thought that my little warning, hey, I need to talk to you about something. Do you have a second? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody thought it was something that wasn't about me coming out. Like someone thought I was going to share that I have cancer. You thought that I got someone pregnant. Megan thought I was going to kill her. Yeah. <laughs> that was the weirdest I have one. something to tell you. Oh my God, are you going to kill me? Yeah. That, I, I was like, what? That's, oof. I mean, the response was funny. Like, no, I'm just gay. <laughs> um, no, yeah. So I reflected on that. I reflected, hey, was I hopefully like that? Like ever, like ever since 2012 in a weird, strange way, I just hope I feel like as if I'm sometimes just acting for repentance. If I fucked up before then, Oh, you know, careful. I mean, there are many times where you have called me and you're like, that was really insensitive. I remember when you first came out, um, maybe it was like 2014. I'm with the siblings and we're having, you know, a phone conversation on a video chat. I think it was FaceTime Mm -hmm. and I make a joke and I say, Oh, you're so gay. And we're all laughing because I was thinking you are gay. And so therefore I thought that joke was okay. And afterwards you gave me a call and you said that very, very uncalled. And you gave me this entire lecture and it was, it was transformative or was it, did you feel bad? Or did you feel like, I never feel bad when I do something. I feel guilty. And then I think Catholic guilt, right? Catholic guilt. But then I also think, okay, what can I do in the future? Because listen, I'm not a perfect older sibling. Do you know how many times I fuck up? I mean, Jared the other day, or sorry, three months ago said, I don't think you hear me enough. And I had to sit down. I'm like, okay, talk to me. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing is thinking, okay, did I like, how can I repent for the things I did previously? And then number two I thought about how can I be a better ally just mm-hmm. in general, because I'm like, how, how have I acted around with my friends? Right. That was a big thing. Yeah. Well, okay. I, a couple of things with what you're saying. I, I think so just to name it right now, like you've been a really great older brother and I don't think you have anything to repent for 
but I would like to talk about some of the things that have happened in the past. Let's go. I'm ready. Right. And to your point, like why so homophobic? Hmm. But you already brought that up with like dad and the family and the upbringing. Very Republican. But there's nothing to repent for, but we're going to have to talk about it. So. Well, that's fine. I'm just yeah. saying, but here's the thing. Like, yeah. I, I think, I think it's an excuse to say that just because our father's homophobic, that therefore I should get away with the things that I've done that was homophobic. Does that make sense? That means that doesn't put any responsibility on myself yeah, for the horrible but, things that I've done. I mean, for How me. How can someone... But yeah, I don't fun. think it's an excuse. I think it helps me understand some of the things that happened in the past a little bit more where I don't have to hold resentment or anger about it because I understand why you said the things you said but put or me why you had the attitudes but put you me had. On, but basically what I'm saying is regardless of that, put me on the stand <laughs> and... All right, let me take out my notebook. Let me go ahead. I have my diary. Let's go. No, I mean, let me own up to like, there's gotta be consequences. Why? For, Why does there have to be consequences? Maybe I just look at black and white sometimes. Okay. All right. So let's talk about it then. So when you say that you feel like you have to repent a lot, mm -hmm. I also feel the same way too, because I wasn't the easiest younger brother. I definitely get annoyed very quickly. I have a temper and uh, I like even that summer in Berkeley, I was so anxious about the tests and like next day there's a test and the day after that there's a test always. And I always wanted my like nine hours of sleep. Yeah. And if I didn't get it, I was like, be quiet. Like you have to leave me alone. Like I have a test tomorrow. Like I'm working right now. Yeah, it's fine. You don't have a problem with that? I mean, I've, I mean, in my teenage years and in our younger years, we would fight a lot and I would, we would hit each other with <laughs> radios and golf clubs. I remember you jumping on a trampoline once and I like pushed you across. Yeah. But I landed I think, on a sprinkler. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I think, I'm sorry about that. But I think, I think once I started going to UC Berkeley and there was that escape and UC Berkeley, what they taught me, I was surrounded by people constantly yelling and screaming at me in the environment that I was about like my beliefs and always like testing me. And I was very fortunate to be in this space where it opened my eyes to like everything. I mean, it's super liberal. It's super UC liberal. Berkeley. And it's one very of the progressive to me, a very progressive, wonderful school really makes you check yourself constantly. I mean, you were not progressive when you first arrived. No, to I loved uh, Rush Limbaugh. I loved, Ronald Reagan. I was, you know, an yeah. Amy Coulter fan for crying oh, out loud. Oh yeah, that's right. You know, Ann Coulter. Oh my you were god, like a huge Ann Coulter fan. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Ann Coulter, not Amy Coulter. See, no, it's okay. Um, and so when I arrived there with my political views, mm -hmm. and I was surrounded by people of color, and I was understanding what it meant to be Asian. I was taking Asian American classes and ethnic studies classes, and getting into organizations that outreach to people that looked at me and I would go to these schools and they're, you know, under-resourced like crazy. And another Filipino kid would look at me and I'm like, oh, I can make it too because you've made it. And that opened my eyes. And of course, then I would say something super fucking conservative. And then I would be, my friends would take me to the side and go, Jonathan, what are you saying? And thank God for UC Berkeley because it really opened my eyes to everything and allowed me 
to be a little bit more patient. Mm-hmm. And that took, I mean, it took my whole twenties to figure it out. I still check myself every day. I mean, we have a really feminist sister of ours that every single time I open my mouth, I swear to God, I'm doing something wrong, but we talk it out and we yeah. understand each other. Uh-huh. And so at that moment, at that time, when you think that you need to be sorry, I don't know. I don't think you need to be sorry for what you did there. You were there. You needed nine hours of sleep. We were patient with each other. We communicated. Mm-hmm. We were a team. And look, you, you got an A in fucking Chinese or A plus. Sorry. Um, oh yeah. Did I get an you A plus? You got an A plus. Oh yeah, that's right. And then we're in the dining yes. commons and you got accepted Tufts University. That's we high five each other. We hugged each other. One of 20 transfer students. Yeah. One of 20 transfer students. That year. I'm telling a you. A small group of selected immortals. Super proud of you. So you don't have to be sorry for anything because hey, you were also hiding your fucking sexuality. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad about being a annoying younger brother because I did not have any patience, but it's understandable. I mean, look what you're doing right now. Right? We're, we're yeah. fortunate and lucky that we're able to see each other change. Not that many people get to see others change. Do you think I've changed? I think we've all changed. Yeah. You opening up plus mom deciding to like leave dad and start her own life and us having just to get stronger together. We've been able to see each of us change for the better, which is fantastic. Right? Yeah, it is. And so because of that, I think in a way that's already like repentance or that's an apology. You don't have to say it. now. It's like if your you, actions speak louder than right. And words. if you, like if you've changed and right, your if, actions show that, right. If you still were like an impatient soul and being a fucking asshole, <laughs> then I, then you're not, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. And also our family's very good. Like for example, Gabriel said a comment to me yesterday. I was touching things and he said, you're such a fucking control freak. And I knew that at that moment, I was like, okay, he understands. I, t- I took a step back and then our family is so when good. When was this? During the Zoom. Oh. But we're so good that afterwards, Gabriel come up to me and said, I'm so sorry. I apologize. I think this family is beautiful because at least even though we make mistakes, mm-hmm. we're aware of it afterwards. And we don't have an ego to communicate how open we are with our feelings about it. I mean, how does it feel when someone corrects you? I feel like for a lot of your life, at least how I've perceived you and your interactions with others, right? You're 14 months older than me. I would say that you're very extroverted. I'm super introverted. Yes, true. And I don't talk a lot, but I observe a lot. And I would say growing up, you had a very outgoing, outspoken personality. Um, and a lot of people would correct you or think that you talk too much or yeah, you were weird or something, you know, and a lot of people were kind of rude. And I always felt like I hate people, you know, I didn't, I mean, I was just quiet the entire time, you know, but I mean, how must that feel to like have people constantly correct you? Wow. That's a really good thing. Um, 
I've learned at an early age that it happens, especially in college. I learned that the reason why a lot of people correct me often is because they can. I'm an Asian. I'm five foot seven. I'm not that tall. Mm-hmm. And when I looked around and I saw a bunch of other individuals, usually white males, being outspoken, loud, saying whatever they wanted to say, they would rarely get chastised, even from people of color who were around them. Like in college? Like in, in college especially. Yeah, in college. In college, I would say something. And, oh. I, and I think that I would say something just like how I would say with a white counterpart. And unfortunately, I would get chastised and criticized. And even from my own people of color community, because we put, out our, we put ourselves at like a high standard to always like be correct. That was difficult. Yeah. And then well, I get, and then from you, Megan, Caitlin, Mackenzie, yeah, Jared, I mean, and Gabriel, over time, the criticism. It's like, Jonathan, why did you say that? Like, don't say that. Like, you can't act like that here. Like, shh. Oh, that happens so often. My, my friends, Jonathan, what are you doing? It hurt. It hurt a lot. I mean, even dad. Okay. So how would you act though? Like, give us an example of what did it look like? What did it sound like? I don't know like? what it looked like. I, it's like us at church and you during the service going up to the altar and starting to play piano. That's an extreme example. Didn't you also like take the blood of Christ and then start serving people? Okay. So this is the philosophy that I have. And then everybody's like, Jonathan, what are you doing? Stop. Right. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The people so that's like that, here's, here's the crazy part. That's what yeah. I noticed. The people are, the people that are close to me are always like so nervous and embarrassed and always want to stop me. Right. But the strangers that I interact with, I make they love them it. laugh. They're like always they eating love it, it up. Like, am I right? Eating it up. Like, oh my God. Ha, ha, ha. Am I right? People around me that are strangers absolutely oh. have a lot of fun with me. Am so I does right? that go on through your mind when you do these things? Like, oh, they love it. And I don't care if I'm embarrassing or if other people are chastising me to say, don't do it because I, I know I have an audience that's the, all about this. Because what I'm thinking in my head is guys, I want you to trust me that everything that I'm doing doesn't come from ill intent. It comes from a very positive mindset because what I'm about to do, you may think oh. at that moment is a little abnormal, but in reality, it's going to make this individual, this stranger feel so happy and time and time again, it proves to be right now when, and the reason why I also do that and I don't get hurt is because when my friends do something that is outside the box, like for example, when you get super drunk and you're in, I am not here to judge you. I am not here to, um, bring you down. I'm just here to be like, okay, he's drunk. He's having a good time right now. I'm going to be very careful. I'm going to watch him for a second, but I'm going to let, Jeffrey do his thing. And that was the mentality that I had is let people do their thing as long as they're they're not hurting anybody. Mm -hmm. But yes, you're right. I mean, I got bullied in school. I got, I mean, at home, my father would always, dad would always say, you have diarrhea of the mouth. Yeah. I remember that. Like he would fucking say that. Yeah. So, okay. When you first went to UC Berkeley. Okay. And you joined the Filipino group. You're like very much involved with a Filipino group. Yes. But you had never been previously involved with like a POC group before ever in your life, having tough conversations with people about race, about your identity, about being in a group with people who share your same identity, but may have differences, making mistakes, saying things 
has it gotten easier over time because of that experience? Oh, definitely. Now when someone has criticism about anything that I do, I take, I can, I'm able to, luckily you have taught me this. Everyone that has corrected me has taught me this. First off, I see it this way. I am super freaking fortunate that you and others have taken the time to care about me so much to provide some constructive criticism about Mm. what I said or the beliefs that I carry to even do that. I should be blessed. That makes sense. Yeah. Because how can I learn if I don't know? I mean, I never knew that was your perspective actually. Really? Yeah. Because it's something that I mull over constantly because I'm always thinking. I think in the past, sometimes I've felt scared to tell you things in fear of your reaction. And so I felt like maybe I'll tone down on like a critique that I have. I mean, Jeffrey, Um, what? But then I just feel guilty because I also am very critical all the time and I'm always actually critiquing you and everybody else. I mean, I know that you care because you'll say before you say your criticism, you're like, I'm so sorry, so sorry, but don't mean to be be so offensive, but but I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I'm just like, get get to it and we'll figure it out. Yes, you've said some things that have crushed me, of course. Sorry. And I hang up the phone, I just break down and cry. Sorry. But no, it's okay, but it's, it's going to happen. I'm not, I'm going to take it. I made a promise to myself at a certain age. I don't know what it was. I think when I saw dad, I keep on saying this example, but dad's older sibling, they always want to respect out of the younger, regardless, you know, this whole kuya ate bullshit. I'm older than you. So therefore uh-huh. respect me, whatever I say. Yeah. And I told myself that I never want to be like that. Told myself that I want to make sure that you respect me and I respect you equally. Like I have to earn it. And we have to, like, we have to earn it with each other. And mm-hmm. the only way that I can improve as a person is if I can, like, handle your criticism. Yes, I do implode sometimes where I just can't take it. I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm getting picked on. But at least you work it out. Like, Caitlin and I, for example, love her to death, but we had a year where we had to really figure out a relationship. And even now to this day, you know, I don't know if Caitlin and I are, as you look at a picture of her, right. I don't know. if <laughs> I don't know if we're, um, we're there yet, but I did call her a few months ago and I said, Hey, what's going on? So I want to make sure that our relationship is good. Yeah. Intact. I want to make sure that she can rely on me. I wish, I mean, I hope that you can rely on me as well, but you know, I'm not, I'm not perfect. Fuck me. Yeah. So I deserve it. Yeah. Why so homophobic back in the day? What do you give me an example? What do you mean by that? I feel uh, like you're prepping for this question and you're waiting for this question and the questions. Why so homophobic? All right, you ready. weren't actually so homophobic. There's like, I think just one time where you were like, yeah, just gay people. They only want sex. So that was me. <laughs> when I heard that episode, I was like, is that me? And I gave you a call and you lied to me and you said no. All right. I apologize, but that's, see, that's what it was. I felt bad. I was like, oh shit. Like, I don't want to, I don't want him to feel bad. I don't want him to like get upset. I didn't want to talk to you about it at that moment. That's fine. I mean, you know me all, you've known me this entire time since the age, especially since college from 18 on. And I think I've been pretty 
perceptive and open to your criticism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not going to lie right now. You saying that, that you didn't want to talk about it at that moment when I asked you for that, that kind of hurts a lot actually. Well, I'm sorry that I had to, that I, that's how I was feeling. It's I mean, fine. I apologize that. No, I mean, I wish you, I mean, it's, uh, it's on, it's, I mean, you weren't ready to, to be honest with me at that moment. So I, I, I get it. Yeah. Well, I think that's my issue is I'm scared to be honest with people because I fear how they're going to react and if they're going to get upset. But what I've learned, it has nothing to do with anyone except for me. Where do you think that comes from? Well, growing up, I mean, you couldn't really speak your mind or dad would get upset. So I kind of have carried that and I'm still carrying it with me today. Um, yeah, it's good that we were talking about this and calling it out because yeah, I wasn't being honest with you when I talked about a quote unquote friend who said that all gay people want a sex and how that really affected me. And obviously I'm still thinking about that comment today. And that's fair. And I'm sorry about that. But I, but you change. I mean, that's like one thing. Yeah. But like I don't really I mean, don't but remember. It's, any but that other. still like affects you. Right. So then if that affects you, that, that, I don't feel, don't, don't basically don't worry about me. Right. I, that's my, that's my thing that I have to, to understand of that's something that I have to deal with. You saying that, Hey, Jonathan, you said this. It was very painful. It sticks with me. I have to, I have to live with that. Yeah. Well, okay. Here's the context of that comment too. I remember it was you and dad. And dad said it first. And then you're like, yeah, I agree. All I mean, gay people want a sect. I mean, there's a lot to go with that conversation, <laughs> right? Yeah, there's dad in the car. He was my, uh, someone that I wanted to impress at the time. Someone that I wanted to think of me as like a cool person. But I would agree with whatever he said, but that doesn't see, but then here we go again. That doesn't excuse me from saying what I said. Yeah, it doesn't excuse you, but it also gives me some understanding of where it came from. Like, it's not your fault. You do have to take responsibility. But your context with dad and your dynamic in your relationship is not an excuse. It's reality. It's what actually happened. And it was the context where you made a comment that you may have not believed in, but you did it because you were motivated to impress him, not because you actually had a dislike for gay people. Well, maybe I did. Or maybe you did. That's why I'm asking right now. I don't know if I did. Maybe I did. So when did you start being okay with gay people? I mean, I had that's issues such, to me, that's such a loaded I had question. a lot of internalized homophobia. To me, that's such a loaded question because you're saying that I wasn't, I wasn't okay. Exactly. With, I wasn't okay with gay people. So you were okay with gay, with gay people. I don't know. My first, I don't know. 
Who was really, your first gay friend? My first gay friend, a uh, freshman year. His name is Ben. In the all boys dorm? I love the all boys dorm. Yeah, but none of them were gay. <laughs> they were gay in that all boys dorm. At yeah, UC but none my, my, well, there was one guy named Paul, but he wasn't my friend until like maybe the second semester of college. My first kiss in college was a guy. Really? Who was it? In an elevator. He's like, kiss me. And I felt really bad, so I kissed him. Oh. Why did he ask you to kiss him? I don't know. I, I think it was a hot, attractive young dude back then, Jeffrey. Oh. What happened to me? I don't know. <laughs> My first kiss ever was a guy, too. Your first kiss ever was with a guy? High school, 16 years old, yeah. With who? This kid named Colin. Oh. Oh, yes. I know Colin. I think I remember with the long hair. No, 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 no. Oh, okay, never mind. He's got a short hair. He, uh, he also pressured me. He's like, oh, but you won't kiss me. And I kissed him. <laughs> so you just kissed them? Yeah. So both of these guys who are supposedly straight. No, no, they're... Well, Colin, they're gay. Colin was... Ben was gay. He was very, um, very smooth, smelled really good, has a lot of swag. Uh-huh. Um, he asked me to kiss him. And he said, you should just kiss me. And I like said, fine. And I kissed him. Colin, I think was like, he didn't think I would do it. And I did it. So were those your first gay friends? Well, Colin, no, Colin was a bully. So he was never my friend. Ben, the guy in the elevator, he was a, he was a very smart individual. And oh. I would say we became friends. Yeah. I mean, after college, a lot of my friends were gay. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. Why does that? I don't. I mean, yeah, that's a good question. Like, why does it matter to uh, know and identify the point in your life when you had gay friends? Yeah. I don't know. Like, if you were thinking, was I homophobic? I mean, there must have been a time. Here's what I'll say. I mean, I had a lot of internalized homophobia because I was uncomfortable with who I was. Um, so I'm not like putting you on the spot. Okay. But if you're wondering to yourself, like, was I homophobic? Then I wonder if there was a point at which you were consciously thinking to yourself, this person's gay and I have no positive or negative feelings about it. Was there a time when you're like, Oh, my attitude towards gay people is different than what it was before. It's hard, right? I said a lot of insensitive things because I was not open-minded about the fact about like what was right to say. I was like one of those white guys that thought that they were liberal, but they would say a lot of problematic things. Mm -hmm. I'm one of those. Again, but luckily there were people in my life who would say, Jonathan, don't fucking say that you chauvinistic pig or shut up with your male privilege or that was very insensitive. And luckily for some odd reason, I just have those people in my life who have corrected me. And even though it was very hard and took a lot of hard work and I'm still working at it and I'm checking myself all every fucking day because I make mistakes all the time because I say whatever the fuck comes out of my mouth. I think... I don't think, like to me, unless I'm wrong, 
I don't think I ever disliked or hated a gay person. Maybe I felt uncomfortable at times because I'd be sitting down and there would be a guy that was gay and it was like different for me. And I thought to myself, why are they acting and doing things like that? But I think when I went to college, especially my freshman year, when I kissed that guy, I learned this. Okay. As, as an Asian, Mm -hmm. right? Small. And I, whatever, and I said, whatever I wanted to say, people Mm -hmm. make fun of you a lot, especially in high school, bullied or dad would call me diary of the mouth. And the way that I fought with it was I would, instead of fighting back and saying, no, I'm not, I would take their compliment or sorry, their harsh, whatever teasing and expand it. What do you, so if someone, so, so someone so some teases people, you or so, says so, like, Hey, you can't say that. One of the things, like, one of the things in college, people would say, Oh, you're so gay. I like to, yeah, I bet you like to suck cock. Right. And they would say that maybe people like, said that. let's just say, Oh, well, there are guys that have said stuff like that. Right. Yeah. I would say, I would repeat and say, no complaints. Yeah. So you, so I would take it, their, it didn't bother you. You kind no, of, of like, course it bothered me, oh. but I would take their, their comp, their thing and just go to the extreme with it. And I think I became so um, ingrained with that philosophy that anytime someone said something homophobic to me or about me to, to, to say it like in a negative way, I would just accept it. And then through that process, I think I just became comfortable with my sexuality. Like with my guy friends, a lot of them think that I'm gay because I just like look at a guy and I'm like, oh, he's so hot. He's so sexy. He's cute. I like the way that he looks. Mm -hmm. And it just becomes like a passing thing. And so like the movie you were just watching and then Palm Springs and you were like, Andy Samberg's so cute. Yeah. And a lot of your friends, if you made a comment like that would say, yeah, back in the day when like in the early 2010s, right. Or just in general, in the early 2000s, I think people were getting more comfortable with the fact that, you know what, this is normal. There's nothing wrong with this. And in doing so you have a bunch of teens and teenagers and even still to this day sometimes where the humor is to say that's gay or, um, say homophobic jokes as a way to seem more macho. Yeah. For sure. And that's fucking horrible. Yeah. And the way that I dealt with it because I got bullied a lot was to take those comments and just go to the extreme with it. I become so fluid with my sexuality that, um, I just made people second guess themselves. And then in doing so I would be surrounded less and less with homophobic statements. Mm. So you're saying when, when people would tease you right. and call you gay right. in order to insult you right. because people are fucked up, I would just say you oh, got yeah. to a point where you were able to defend yourself and speak up, deflect comments, but in that process you became more confident or yeah, my sexuality, but or no, like understanding being, of your it's sexuality. It's not defending. Someone says I'm gay. I just say, okay, it doesn't matter. Or like, okay, yeah, no complaints. Yeah. Or yes, I am. Or does not matter? Yeah. I think where I went wrong though, and I wish I did more of this is between college and all the way till after college is when someone would say something homophobic, I rarely spoke up. And I think when you finally came out is when I finally, finally would like speak up, speak up when someone said something homophobic. 
Like, what do you say now? Like, if someone well, I don't know. If someone says they're homophobic, then then I'd be like, whoa, don't fucking say that, you know? Yeah. Like, I would yeah. say that's so gay when I was a freshman in college when some when I thought something was quote unquote stupid. I mean, in high school, I would say that too. And then I remember our cousin was like, oh, if you say that like three times, that means that you're gay. What? <laughs> yeah. LJ? Yeah. What an idiot. I was like, oh, that's so gay. And then he'd laugh and then he'd be like, be careful. How many times have you said that? See, here, it's three times. Here's the thing why I don't okay. think that I was totally homophobic is because I remember <laughs> LJ and I and you, but basically LJ and I remember we had that entire car ride where we argued and yelled at each other about why the lady in the water. No, not the lady the in M. the water. The M. Night Shyamalan movie. Mm. I remember that. Yeah, we had an argument. <laughs> That's so stupid. No, his argument was that he doesn't believe in equal marriage as in why should the government get involved with, you know, this, the, the marriages of the sacrament of marriage, the sacrament of marriage between individuals, especially when it comes to a man and a man and a woman and a woman. And I'm like, and I remember us defending. So his argument was about government intervention of a quote unquote well, sac- the, the sacred un- sacrament. The underlying thing of LJ was. It was like, he just didn't like gay people. He just didn't like gay people. Yeah. But he like used it as an excuse right. to cover up his. His homophobia. Homophobia. And I remember arguing against that. And so that's why when you say, was I homophobic? I don't think so. I think I was just really, really stupid in how to defend it. Really stupid in allowing hurtful comments to be said. Because when you don't say anything against the oppressor, when the oppressor says something very problematic, you are in a way spreading uh, oppressive actions and behaviors to continue, right? Yeah. I think sure. I think maybe as we're evolving with this conversation, I think I did a horrible fucking job in speaking up against um, homophobic tactics and things that are said consistently around me, especially when it comes to my straight friends. Mm. I mean, so you're essentially saying that growing up, people would correct you a lot. They would tease you a lot. And the more that you spoke up for yourself, the more you became confident about your own identity. Right. But not defending myself, just like going with it, going with the extreme. What's the difference between defending yourself and going with the extreme? Someone going, you're gay. No, I'm not. No, I'm gay. No, I'm not gay. No, I'm not gay. That's defending. (laughs) What was that? Defending yourself? That's being defensive. Oh, defensive. (laughs) Right. Okay. There you go. Well, when someone says you're gay, I'm like, doesn't fucking matter. Oh, is that, is that defending? You're the English major. I don't no, know. No, that makes sense. No, you know what I mean? No, no. Explain. I hear you. Like not caring to a, with, with someone's idiotic criticisms about things that don't matter. But when someone corrects me on things that I think that do matter, that's when I take a second glance of myself. Oh, what do you mean? Not, you don't care about some things when you care about some other things. Like when someone says, Jonathan, you're being chauvinistic. That's something I fucking care about. Like, fuck, am I, am I, am I? Oh. Jonathan, you're being homophobic. Fuck, am oh. I? Jonathan, you're acting a little racist. Fuck, am I? But then when someone says, oh, that's okay. I don't think yeah. that doesn't matter. So if it's like- Jonathan, you're such a feminist. Oh, shut the fuck up. Like, it doesn't oh, matter. I really need to think about whether or not, like, that's actually who I am. Yes. Like, let me reconsider. Like, someone's attacking my values and calling me something, ignorant, whatever it may be. Let me like actually think about, is that true? Like, let me reflect no, on that. It's probably true. 
Here, this is no, this is what I no, this is what I say. This is what I think. This is what I think. I don't think that you are. Also, my question about like, are you homophobic? It was like, well, okay, here's, why so homophobic in the past? But this conversation no, is I, actually helping me understand perception that is reality. More perception, about me. perception is reality. So when okay. someone says, Jonathan, you're being chauvinistic. Yeah. I have to reflect and think to myself, okay, is there something that I said? Is there something that I'm doing right now that is showcasing my chauvinism? I may mm. not think that I am. I may think due to my past and due to everything that I have and the friends that surround myself with and know my character, know that I'm not chauvinistic. But in this moment, I've done something that's fucking problematic. And if so, I have to figure out what that is and I have to change. So how do you figure it out then? You listen to whatever the fucking the person's criticism is. And it's a lot. Sometimes it's a lot. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Well, a lot of but people you get defensive when they hear people's criticism. Of course, someone sometimes calls out, Someone past. calls out power. Someone calls up that there's a dynamic of power, sexism, racism, homophobia. The person who is reinforcing that, who said the thing that was homophobic, et cetera, gets, can get really defensive. And that is something that I've been working on for a very long time. But again, like I said, I am super fucking fortunate and lucky <laughs> where I look how I look and I'm five foot seven. What is that? Have to do Hold anything. on. So it's easier for people to really criticize me with whatever they want, whatever they think, because they know that for some odd reason I need to hear it. I don't get how being the physical description that you just named. Because if I was a white six foot two individual, it's harder for me. It's harder for people sometimes, or I've noticed in my life, when to have criticism over them in front of their fucking face. Because they're just not used to getting so much criticism because they're white. Well, not just, not just that. I don't know. Maybe, whatever. maybe in this weird, strange world, how we respect people that just happen to be tall and have Western features and carry themselves like an alpha male, they're rarely criticized, critiqued in front of their faces. And so what I'm saying is because of that, because of how you look and all of that, and they're willing to overstep, that's just a subconscious thing that not only happens with the white community, but also people of color because they have this like Western idealism that a white man who's six foot two mm -hmm. or whatever has this authority, has this power dynamic over the world. Mm -hmm. So therefore to criticize them in their face one-on-one -on -one is going to be a lot harder for them because of that subconscious level of how society puts this weighing anxiety on us when it comes to um, correcting white society or especially um, a white man that has some sort of quote-unquote power dynamic over any situation. But with us, it's like, oh, he's not, he doesn't have that power authority, even though we might have that title. Yeah. And so I mean, it's easier for them to overstep us. And I want to say that because of it, both sides do it. I've got critiqued and yeah. chastised and overstepped by uh -huh. these coworkers of mine sometimes that were white and six foot two, et cetera. And also criticized often many times from people of color who have no urge to open their mouth and 
say whatever they want to say in front of your face. So therefore you can become a better ally for your community. Yeah. I mean, well, white privilege allows lots of white mediocrity to go unchecked. Exactly. And, but being a person of color, being an Asian American person, there's like no room for error. Like everything that you do has to be perfect. And if it's not, people are calling you out for it not being so. And even if it is, people have feedback that what you did wasn't good enough for them and what they wanted. Like your extra responsibility is to also take care of that person Mm -hmm. and give them what they want on top of doing your job. So if you do your job, it still wasn't enough. It's hard. Yeah. It brings, it creates a lot of insecurity, especially when it comes to dating. It comes a lot of insecurity when it comes to just working in the workplace because you feel that pressure to, to like be a commanding, but great boyfriend, but also sensitive at the same time or same with being a coworker as well. Like it's just, it's just difficult. And over time, because we get that constant, you know, feedback as you, maybe that's the lighter way of saying it. We've learned how to take this criticism and often not change, but be willing to listen. So when you say, Jonathan, I'm so scared of like telling you how I truly feel, that hurts me because as an Asian American yourself, who's been consistently overstepped at in so many instances, but better yet, you're my brother and you've known me for this long. You should hopefully realize that I can take it. Yeah, that's true. I think you're right. I mean, I've sometimes questioned whether or not like it was safe to say it. I mean, I'm human. I'm still going to fucking cry when I hang up the phone and be like, fuck. But that doesn't mean that you should not say it because. All right. Well, from here on out, I'm going to say what I need to say all the time. I think you do a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. I'm okay. That won't change anything. I won't withhold a thing. That's fine. Every single thing. You do often. 